Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of the Slow Drag Has a Podcast 2. You know, I listened back to these episodes before posting them, and wow, this one was really, really great. I learned a little something, and I was really happy to get Amy's perspective on being an independent musician and being a woman in the music industry during the Me Too era. Really fascinating conversation today. I hope you guys like it. As usual, I want to give a shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast, my broadcasts, the music, everything that the slow drag does. Big, big shout out to Nat for upping her pledge on Patreon and to Mandy for signing up. Thank you so much. Really do appreciate you guys. If you want to become a patron, you can head on over to theslowdrag.com and hit that become a patron button. All right, here we go, guys. Episode 7. to swear in this podcast it's your podcast man yeah well you i mean to you know do whatever you want to do your grandma is going to be listening to this oh no, my grandmas are old they don't <laughs> i don't even think they know what a podcast is they don't know how they... to cast a pod Mm-mm. okay no poor girls cool. well okay all right <laughs> <laughs> all right we got good levels everything's cool, cool. yeah it's funny or my there's somebody posted do you remember the snl skit the delicious dish Yes. The two girls. Yes, like, I do mm, remember. And this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I loved it. It's because... hysterical. Because somebody posted it on Facebook and they're like, pretty much every NPR podcast mm-hmm. sounds exactly like this. I can't <laughs> help but, I mean, you know, I, I have a pretty, uh, most of the time I try to have a, a pretty energetic stage and broadcast personality. But yeah. behind the scenes, I'm pretty I'm pretty chill. This is, this is my yeah. speed. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on how much coffee I've had during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But usually I, I'm, I'm like, by this time of the night, like, or just in general of the day when I'm done with work and I'm, I'm at home, then it's like quiet time in my house. I don't even really play music in my house much. Like I play it in the mornings, mm-hmm. but at nighttime it's just really quiet unless I put on like spa music. Mm. And then oh, really? It's like, yes, yeah, sometimes I do. I'm so nerdy. <laughs> I'll put on like spa music, like relaxation, like candles and hmm. yeah. Hmm. How so long has that been a, a thing? I like, I don't, I don't know if it's like a thing. It just happens every now and then. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't yeah. have to happen consistently to be a thing. Yeah, I'd say I so. Know. I mean, within the last couple months or so. Okay. I like spa. You don't listen to spa music at You home? know, I hardly listen to any music at all. Yeah. Yeah. So we're terrible <laughs> musicians. We're like, I have people like all the time, work, they're like, like, oh, I got to study this record I now. know. Dang it. Who's that person? What's their name? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do enjoy it, but I've gotten to the point where it's like sometimes it's, it's hard to listen to something new and enjoy it yeah you know the stuff that i'm familiar with the stuff that i grew up on like yeah. that'll yeah i'll always enjoy and i won't totally pick apart yeah you know but like you know like this this record that you made that will have come out by the time this podcast airs i'll yeah. i'll have torn that apart with oh my great brain. perfect yeah, I'm, I'm so looking forward to I tearing my music like apart <laughs> that's great <laughs> No, it's uh, I'm kind of the same way. I think it's because when you're so young, you're like, it, the music that you listen to when you're a kid, you're like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. And so therefore, as an adult, it almost seems like sinful to tear it apart. Like it almost seems like mm-hmm. off limits. Like just mm-hmm. don't do it. You know, well, and it's it's like its own thing. Totally. It's it's not like it's not like a new creation that's pulling in this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. It lives in its own space. It is what yeah. it was. Yeah. Totally. There's no point now. True. Yeah. Cool. But that's an in- that begs an interesting question. What what did you start listening to when you first started listening to your own music? 
Wait, when I started listening to my music or when Not I started- Not the oh. music that you make, but like, like the music that you when I started listening chose, to music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I grew up, my mom played a lot of classic rock when I was growing up, and so did my dad. Mm. So, um, and it was interesting because my parents were divorced um, basically right after I was born. So I grew up with my mom, and we traveled around a lot because she was military. And uh, But my mom basically played the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Mm. And, I, like, that was mostly what we heard and then we would hear like a lot of older like 50s and 60s music mm-hmm. uh whatever was kid friendly i guess <laughs> and uh or even actually you know i say that but there was there was probably a lot of stuff that in hindsight really like even some of the beatles like the white album you're like that's not like the most entirely kid friendly no uh, type no. type music uh but it's great music. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I listened to a lot of that growing up. And then my dad would play like the other end of the classic rock, like CCR and Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young and mm-hmm. uh, Skinnerd. My dad loved Skinnerd or still loves Skinnerd. Um, and then, you know, we would obviously hear things like Michael Jackson and uh, Aretha Franklin. But when I started picking out my own music, it was a lot of female-based stuff. I mean, I think a lot of women gravitate towards that, or mm. a lot of female musicians gravitate towards other female musicians. Um, I definitely loved Aretha Franklin. I remember she inspired a lot of my college years. I'd, I'd, it, <laughs> I had a little Walkman, you know, like the little cassette tape Walkmans. Mm -hmm. And I would listen to Mariah Carey and I would listen to Whitney Houston. Perfect. And uh, tried to sing like them Mm. at a very young age and obviously could not. So the divas, you went for the divas. Oh, I went for the divas. I really did. Um, And then, yeah, I I think the only reason I went for the divas is because I understood the music structure like as a kid, whereas stuff that was probably a little... um, more depth, in-depth lyrically, like Joni Mitchell or mm-hmm. things like that, I, I don't think mm-hmm. I quite understood when I was really young. I'm like, what is she talking about? Right. I don't get it, you know, uh, until I became older. Um, and then in college, like, I, I obsessed over Beth Hart. I loved her. Um, and to this day, I finally saw her in concert like 15 years later. It was, like, amazing to see her here at the Ryman when I first moved here. And she's incredible, so... If, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her catalog, but she's not the guy an amazing female vocalist, very rock, like soulful voice. Um, uh, Is that of the band Heart? No, okay. no, no. Beth Hart, completely okay. different. Um, but the band Heart was great too. I, yeah. I, that's them. One, I have seen. Yeah, and I've it is seen incredible. them as well too. My God, those songs are hard to sing. Hmm. Like mm-hmm. you have those artists that you're like, oh, I could totally. When everybody, I when I quit music or quit my job to do music full time, I did cover shows for like eight years, and people were like, oh, will you play heart? And I was like, nope, because I can't sing it. It's it's like hmm. that one step above my range. I mean, I could tune down and play it. Yeah. But but still, like mm-hmm. they're incredibly difficult songs to sing vocally. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely gravitated towards women. Obviously, Alanis Morissette and Sarah McLaughlin, and um, yeah, any 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 type of emotional woman <laughs> was was right up my alley. I was like, this is great. It was a, in a way to express, uh, I don't know, all the hormones that you go through as you become a woman and you go through puberty and high school and you know boys and everything. Or girls, depending on what your thing is. Mm-hmm. But, hmm. you know, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And yeah. who do you love today? 
I love everybody today. Oh, wow. Well, that's so much love in your that's heart. That's a lot of love. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I would say I love, ev- well, I don't love everybody. That's, I mean, that's, no musician loves every style of music, but I have respect for everybody now. I think it's, you know, you get older and you realize there's kind of a place for everybody in the music industry because not everybody likes the same thing. Mm-hmm. And just because you don't like something doesn't mean that it's bad music. Um, and that's kind of been a thing that I've, and maybe this is part of my like self-love and Zen and let, Hmm. like you do you, I'll do me type of thing. But, um, like for instance, I, I went on this, uh, progressive rock cruise ship. I was hired to go on and write music with some other musicians that we were, there were like six of us that were not there for the, the prog rock music. And I will tell you, I don't freaking understand prog rock at all. Like it goes way over my head. But watching them up on stage and going from one time signature to the next and, and one style of music to the next so quickly, it, it's, it was, it, you still respect it. Like, just because you don't get it and just because you don't like it doesn't mean that that person is putting any less of an effort into what they're doing than what you do on your own, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I've kind of learned to sit back, but I don't know. I, uh, I, who do I listen to today? I don't know. Every, I mean... I've been kind of on a, I'm, I'm, I always feel like I'm behind the times. Like I discover artists and I listen to them like three or four years after their albums mm, come out. Sure. Yeah. You know? Uh, so let me, hold on. Let me pull up my download. Cause I still buy music. Do you? I am. Off I'm a music iTunes? buyer. I do. If mm. I, if there's at least like three songs from an artist on an album that I love, I'll buy the whole album. Oh, wow. I know. So you must've really loved the nineties. <laughs> I did. I, uh, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I still stream. Every, everybody streams, mm-hmm. but I also, I don't know. My phone doesn't always freaking work. And sometimes I like having the music available to me right away. So, uh, Lucy Silvis, mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. downloaded her album. Incredible. And that actually is a newer album. So I'm not too far behind on that. Um, James Bay mm-hmm. listening to him. Um, a lot of my friends are on here. Sure. Uh, Kelly That's one of the cool things about yeah, being in Nashville. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like so many of my friends are awesome and, and put out great music. Um, Kelly Clarkson's my girl. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Her Meaning of Life album is amazing. She might be my my favorite diva out of the last couple generations. Yeah. I would yeah. say she's probably, she just seems like she's so nice. Mm-hmm. And she probably is that nice, honestly. I don't know. So, um, yeah. I don't know. What about you? What are you listening to these days? Am I allowed to ask you questions? You can. You might not always like the answers. <laughs> okay. But, uh... They're probably going to be all people I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, I'm just like, kind sure. of a smartass sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, uh, gosh, what's the last thing? The last thing that I listened to, I might have to, I might have to look as well. Um, cause again, I don't like lately, I haven't been listening to that much music for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so I'll listen to music to like, see what somebody's doing. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to music for like a reference track. I do, I do a lot of recording, you know, I put out yeah. a song a month. Yeah. And so I that, know you're, you're and super I ambitious. don't always record those at the same time. Sometimes I'll record a bunch of them. Sometimes I won't, but yeah. I'll, you know, always pull in. <clears throat> 
a track for something like that. I will say that, like, you know, I have I have people that I really love whose records I'm looking forward to. People mm. like uh, Repeat Repeat. <laughs> <laughs> like who? Like Amy whose Garrett's, albums are you looking course. forward to hearing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Butch Walker's got another one coming out oh, pretty yeah, soon. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, I really am trying to think of the last thing that I listened to, but I listen to like so many podcasts now. Yeah. That's like my, that's my go-to in the car, like around the house. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am. I just have ADD. So if I'm not in a place where I, I can't do anything else, like in the car, Mm. it's really hard for me to listen to them Mm because I'll just get distracted and then I'll get confused and I have to pause and rewind and. I know it's life is hard. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you want to pay attention. <laughs> I do. You know, that's nice. Not everybody does. <laughs> oh man, yeah. A friend of mine just told me about this podcast. Uh, what's it called? It's a makeup podcast, or like <laughs> perfect. I love those. I know. Oh, it's called. Um, hold on, Forever Thirty Five, which is hysterical because I just turned thirty six, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be thirty five for forever. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to, whatever that works for me. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Man, oh, how do gosh. you feel about being a musician in your 30s? I, you know, it's, I'm okay with it. I, I don't feel like I'm old. Like, I feel, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, and I'm not old. That's a funny thing. I mean, there are people that are going to listen to this and be like, shut yeah, it up. It depends on who you ask, you know? Yeah, well, I guess it depends <laughs> on who you ask. I, I guess I've been just doing music for so long now and, and playing for so long uh, that, you know, I, hopefully I don't look like I'm old. <laughs> just, um, I think it's really the way you, like you're, somebody's going to always have something to say. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing about music. They're going to mm-hmm. critique what you're doing or they're going to critique the way you look or they're going to critique your age. I do think that hopefully we're getting to a time where the age is not going to matter. And at least in terms of popularity, that good music I do believe is going to win at the end of the day, whether you're 15 or whether you're 50. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I'm finally making some decent money at music. So I'm, I'm happy. (laughs) It's like, I'm paying my bills. I can't complain. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I'd be lying. I, the only thing that stinks about being in your thirties as a musician is it, hopefully nine times out of 10, you're a million times smarter than you were in your Mm. 20s. So there's so much that I'm learning now about actual business that I wish I had taken the time to learn in my 20s. Sure. Uh, And I wish that I had applied or, or, you know, kind of gotten out of my, oh, I'm going to be so famous and well-known bubble and actually thought like, okay, no, like, let's make a plan. Let's figure out how you can grow Mm. on a quicker level Mm. uh, or a quicker, quicker, um, Pace. Know. Pace. Thank you. Um, but other than that, I'm. I mean, I'm cool. Thirties mm. are. Thirties are the new twenties, right? Thirties are the new teens. I mean, I'd like to believe that, <laughs> but I don't really believe. I don't. I don't fully believe it when I've only gotten like six hours of sleep, or I've had uh, one and a half drinks, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that part is the tough part. <laughs> I had a. I went out two nights ago, and I. And also, too, in your thirties, you start being conscious of taking care of yourself more. At least I am. Anyway, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, my metabolism isn't nearly what it used to be. Like, mm. I obviously can't eat cake every day. Like, let's, I mean, I could, yeah. but I also would really be dragging at my shows. So it's like, <laughs> how do I, uh, how do I stay healthy? And I went out for a friend's birthday and I usually have learned now I can't mix drinks. 
Like I, I have to stick to one type of alcohol all oh, night. Wow. Um, otherwise I'll feel terrible. So I, I was like, I'm going to be so smart. I'm going to stick to just whiskey. And I had like four whiskeys throughout the course of the entire evening. And I swear I couldn't even get out of bed the next day. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It stinks. Well. But I'm, it's, you know. <laughs> what, do you, what can you do? What, what can you do? You just learn to Fall suffer through the hangovers, here. keep drinking, keep partying. Keep drinking. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I don't drink enough. Maybe that's why my body was like, you haven't had any alcohol in like two weeks. What's wrong with you? Oh, wow. I don't oh, know wow. if it had really been two weeks. I just threw out a number. Mm-hmm. It seems real enough. You seem like a very responsible person who, I... who doesn't get wasted a lot. <laughs> uh, you strike I... me as the type of person who doesn't drink on stage. I used to drink on stage quite a bit, mm. actually. Mm-hmm. And then I learned that when you start touring and you're doing back-to-back shows and all that, like you you just can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, too, I so when I um, first did music and was doing cover shows and bars and all this stuff man i was drinking non-stop like there were times i would get to that third or fourth hour of playing music and i was like i have no idea what i'm even saying on them not not okay i was never that bad but it would be like i don't even know if this is coming out well mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. and then did I, you feel like it was coming out well nope though? okay nope and that's the other thing too is that i i'm not a very good singer at all when i'm drunk mm. uh and i because i lose start losing control of the muscle and mm-hmm. the you know the singing mm-hmm. thing and uh, that was a really technical term right there. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll yeah, define the, the singing the, thing the for you guys. The singing thing yeah. is the, the, the throat muscles. And, um, yeah, so I, I started also just – I'll wait. Like I'll usually have one maybe before I play or like one during the show or one during each set if I'm, you know, doing a two-set show. Hmm. But then I'll wait till I'm done. Yeah, and I, I just would prefer to – you sell more CDs when you put on a good show as opposed to being up there drunk mm-hmm. on stage. Mm-hmm. So Right. And if that's not your crowd, yeah, it's and better my crowd's that. my demographic is like mid thirties to like fifties or sixties right now. Okay. So they're not like not all of them are the let's get wasted till we're falling on the floor mm-hmm. uh, crowd. So, you know. Yeah, I, and if they are at that age then yeah. that's <laughs> That's no good. They are at that age. They, they, they've got nothing to do the next day, so I need to figure out what they, how, they've, how they've managed oh, to live that type oh, of lifestyle. Oh, that's great perspective, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't know. I guess it just, um, and also, too, like I don't like being drunk. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like having a good buzz. I don't mm-hmm. know anybody that, you know, unless you just don't drink in general because right. of whatever reasons. Um, I don't know anybody that does drink that does not enjoy a buzz. That's mm-hmm. kind of why you drink mm-hmm. for the relaxation and mm-hmm. the calming but i hate being wasted yeah so yeah the minute i start to feel drunk or spinny or nauseated oh, or anything no, like that I'm out yeah. I'm like uber yeah here we go and you can't stop it yes you just gotta let it happen it's which is the, the worst, worst. <laughs> <Ever>. <laughs> just like stick with these bottles of water <laughs> you have this yeah. you know, the worst part too is when you feel it coming on too and like the tingles go mm. up your arms and stuff and you're like oh god here it comes here it comes. Mm-hmm. Deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. start having like little panic attacks. Like don't make a scene. <laughs> Nobody else knows that you're getting drunk. That's the thing about being drunk though is yeah. everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel really lucky to have this thing. Like some people have it. Some people don't. 
uh, with alcohol in particular, mm -hmm. I have it where it's like I could be mid-sip on something and my brain will be like, you don't really want any more of that. Yeah. Like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. But I mean, I don't have that for something like sugar. Like if there, <laughs> if there is like Cookies. candy in front of me, yeah. even like I have multiple times this year eating myself sick. Oh. Yeah. Where it's just like, mm, but it I tastes be, so good. I would be lying <laughs> if I said I've never done that. I think everybody's indulged too much on food. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm actually very fortunate too that, I mean, I, I have definitely had my, I've gotten really, really drunk moments for sure. But I'm, I'm glad that nine times out of a 10, I have like that little switch that goes off of like, oh, it's time to stop. Mm -hmm. You're good. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Or don't keep going. <laughs> like, Go to the water and then go home. Or, or it's the opposite. You've had way too much. You need to get out of here stat before you throw up in the corner. Mm -hmm. You know, those types of mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Which Very is, which few is of good. the latter, which is good. You need your brain <laughs> so, to tell you these things. I do. You know, you've got you've got a, a, a business to run. I do. And you do so much. I don't think I'm going to, yeah. I, I, you know, it's just what type of name do you want to build for yourself? Mm, mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. the girl that throws up on the side of the bar is not one of them for me. Well, no. I'm, well, yeah. That's just respectful of other people's property. Sure, sure. But they know what they signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> So I'd be curious to know mm -hmm. what you outsource from your business. Like when you're waking up and you're super hungover from partying the night before and you're, <laughs> you got it. I know that you make. Now that I'm in my 30s. <laughs> I know that you write emails. I know mm -hmm. you don't outsource that. You do, you do graphic work as well uh, and a well, little bit of video work. I just started learning mm -hmm. some of that. I do, I do still outsource um, design. Mm -hmm. So merchandising design, I still outsource that. Although, um, you know, I, I, um, and the videos, I, I definitely will hire out for that type of stuff too, but I have started learning, uh, Adobe and mm -hmm. After Effects mm -hmm. and in design, I'll do some Photoshop work myself as well. Um, like when I had, I did my website, so I had to, um, you know, make it look relatively decent. Um, but I still outsource, I mean, quite a few things, although a lot of it at the end of the day comes to, down to how much money do I want to spend, mm -hmm. you know, and running a business like, yes, I could pay someone else to do something for me. And but there's always that gamble. It's either going to be really awesome or it's going to be not quite as good as you really want it to be. Mm. So it's, you know, do you uh, which is any gamble you take anyway, I think. Um, but most I mean. Honestly, nowadays, besides like the t-shirt printing, I have a friend of mine who has a company that uh, I print through and designers for that, even though I'm going to start kind of dipping my toes in the water with graphic design and cool. merchandising design. Um, most everything I, I really still do myself. Um, I would love to get to a point where I can hire somebody this year coming up. Would be great. To do graphics and stuff? Uh, no, just to like do all the crap that I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like all of the 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 emails and the mm. you know, or just to mm. uh, to help make sure that I'm not forgetting things because I think the more stuff you take on on your own with running a business, the more you know, the more you forget certain things. Mm. Like right now, I you know with the, the album, I've been pushing the album and I've been pushing album sales, but I'm like, oh wait, I'm supposed to be touring in January. I've got to go back and book those shows. 
you know, and then I've got to, and then what I, my focus gets on the show is show booking and tour booking. And then it's like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. but you're supposed to have a new t-shirt coming out in, mm-hmm. in February or March. You got to go back and make sure that's taken care of. So you're bouncing around quite a bit. Uh, and so I would like to hire at least an assistant to at least help with just keeping me on track. Uh, and granted, there's a lot of technology and things that I could implement that would help that, like a calendar. But um, <laughs> but it's nice to also, you know, have another person in the room to bounce ideas off of and things like that. It's like sure. writing. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I still I still basically do everything hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do my own recording. I do hire, obviously, producers um, and mixers and things like that. And you worked with some cool people in Nashville on this latest record, did you not? I or did you work with a bunch of fucking lamos? What kind of a question? No, is I know. That no, I, there's like no <laughs> cool people in Nashville to work with. Um, that was sarcasm, obviously. Um, I actually, um, I did. So I, I co-wrote uh, with some really good friends of mine. Um, Tony Luca, who's an amazing singer-songwriter, he and I wrote a song on this project, and um, and uh, also my friend Sarah and my friend Megan, uh, Sarah Williams and uh, Megan Farrell, um, are also co-writers. But most of my recording for this project and the last project, I actually record out of DC. So I do. That's so odd. Uh, it sounds odd, doesn't it? Yeah. Like you live in Nashville. Why wouldn't you record in Nashville? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main reason is the the project I did before this was right at the same time. I was recording it right at the same time I was moving to Nashville. Or I had just moved to Nashville, so I didn't really know anybody in Nashville yet. Mm. Um, most of the production referrals that I had gotten were really heavy in country music, which is amazing production, mm. but not mm-hmm. the style of music that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had uh, gotten a referral for these two guys that I knew through the music community I'm in um, that live outside of D.C. in Virginia. And... Uh, and they were doing some really incredible work uh, in pop music uh, and then kind of the singer-songwriter realm and then, you know, doing some of my other friends' albums. And um, they were right along in the same budget of anybody I would have hired here. Um, and because I knew them, it's kind of that thing, like, it, if you have two people to pick from, you're probably going to go from for the person that is referred to you by someone you know. Sure, absolutely, you know? yeah. Uh, and so we did my last album, or the album before this project, um, Fire, and it turned out so incredibly well that it just mm. made sense to go up and work with them again. Mm-hmm. Um, as two guys, uh, Chip Johnson and Kit Carlson, and they work out of a studio called Alpine Red up in Gainesville, Virginia. Mm. And they are just so amazing and so wonderful to work with. And um, and I'm sure I, I would love to work with some of, now that I've been in Nashville and now that I'm learning, you know, uh, who the producers are here in town and who the players are. Uh, I would obviously love to do some recording here hmm. in Nashville as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah, for the time being, just stick with what you know and keep making it better, I guess. How many yeah. how many uh, records did you do with those guys up north? I've done two with them right now. Um, Counting this one that's about to come yeah, out or has already one. come out? Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 when did we record When is this? the release date? Uh, the release date as of right now is going to be in January. Okay. I'm still deciding on the date. Okay. Um, I, I'm fairly certain it's going to be January 11th um, if all goes well. But the funny thing about that is that'll be my first day of tour as well. Hmm. Uh, back on the road. Mm-hmm. I'm touring through Florida in January and doing about six or seven shows down there that I'm still have to finish booking. Um, 
but yeah, so that'll, uh, it'll be two albums with them, but I've technically, this will be my sixth project that I've cool. done. Yeah. I mean, starting from, you know, the first album I ever did in college mm-hmm. and then, uh, did two EPs and then did a full length acoustic album, then did fire. And then this one, hold on, which is an EP as hmm. well. Now I've heard, I've heard some people talking about how EP is becoming a dirty word. What? And I'd, I wonder how you feel about that. What? Explain um, what you mean. I've never heard that. Explain what you mean. Meaning if you're, their argument is basically like if you're going to um, put out a collection of songs, mm-hmm. just call it a record. Oh, in terms of what you call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, well, I've been calling it an album this entire time. I just mm-hmm. clarify, you know, mm. that it's technically considered an EP. Uh, I think most music fans, well, here's, okay, hmm, how do I feel about this? I really don't care, <laughs> honestly. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you call my album what you want to call it. If you want to call it an EP, call it an EP. If you want to call it an album, call it an album. I think the same amount of passion that goes into making a full-length album also goes into making an EP. Hmm. The same amount of, uh, you know, time. Well, obviously, it takes more time to do more songs. Let's We all know that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of your dedication, in terms of your commitment, in terms of uh, all the promotion that goes behind it and the, the marketing and the photo shoots and then the, you know, all of the effort to me is the same. I call it an album quite a bit, regardless of how many songs are on it, mainly because I think that most of my fans don't know the difference. Uh, I've had a lot of people when I do some of these shows that come up and they're like, well, now what's an EP and what's an album and what's an LP and what's this? And I'm like, ah, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just just mm-hmm. different industry terms. Uh, I've never new heard songs. it called it. I've never, yeah, new songs. I don't know. I've never heard it called a dirty word though, really. Uh, that, that was a too? paraphrasing, mm. but, um, yeah. I mean, I could see, like, I would, I would get upset if somebody was like, oh, you just did an EP. Well, that's kind of that the, I would be pissed that's off That's the at, deal. That's sure. why it's becoming if somebody sort was of like, like, if somebody literally came up to me and was like, oh, you only did five songs and how's not 10, your little EP? I'd be like, oh, how much money do you have in your bank account? Why don't you do 10 songs? Go for it. Like, you know, music's expensive. And now mm. that people aren't buying music mm-hmm. as much, like, mm-hmm. and that goes back to why I, another reason why I still try to buy music from, from mm. my friends or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is that, that it's still, the cost of making music hasn't changed. Like an album, you know, the, you still have to pay X amount for the packaging. In fact, actual CD packaging costs have gone up mm-hmm. from at least mm-hmm. within the last couple months from the research that I've done, mm-hmm. just from me pricing out my own stuff. Right. You know, uh, the cost of the studio hasn't changed. The cost of the producer hasn't changed. The cost of whatever mastering hasn't changed. It hasn't gone down now that people aren't buying music. Mm-hmm. So. If anybody is is pretentious enough to go out and be like, oh, you only did three songs or you only recorded five songs, like, screw that. (laughs) Congratulations for recording one song. Mm -hmm. For getting one song out there, I think, is amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, the other, the the back end of that argument Mm -hmm. does echo what you just said. Like, there's as much uh, time and energy and heart and soul that, that is put into collecting and recording songs yeah. and presenting them as one yeah whether it's five six ten twelve yeah. songs or mm-hmm. even like one or two like mm-hmm. it's you know i um i meet a lot of people that um 
the you know musicians at all levels like I meet some musicians that are just starting out I'm I'm sure you are the same way and that that are like oh well you know I I really want to record but I've I've got to I've just got to get the right songs together and and I get that a thousand percent but I am so supportive of the people who are like well I can only really do one song right now and if they go out and they do it I'm like good for you mm-hmm. like you you did it like congratulations you should be proud of yourself you put the effort in you put the money in you put the time in mm-hmm. and you have a song out there now to the public like that's the point what's the point of writing the songs if nobody ever hears them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 okay well then well, there's some songs that nobody the, should probably well, hear I <laughs> I am always at odds with that because yeah. when I started writing music like first of all I, I don't think this is the the first time this has come up on the podcast but I do have a record that was the first record I ever made with a buddy of mine when I was like 14 or 15 or something like that and it is garbage and it does not deserve to see the light of day it's garbage to you now (laughs) but at the time it wasn't garbage no at the time it was fucking it was awesome punk rock yeah super so cool I don't sell my first album anymore not because the songs are bad not because the production is bad but because Mm -hmm. it's a thousand percent opposite of the music I'm writing now Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. why I don't sell it anymore Mm -hmm. you know but anyway I cut you off continue Uh, Oh, well, I was, you know, I was just going to be, you know, kind of argumentative and <laughs> I would say that that music well, should say not that, be like, on the world. Well, a lot of the songs that went on to that record were songs that were written like for me and situations in my life yeah. where um, I needed to express myself in some way and get that out into the mm-hmm. world. And now it's like, you know, I've been writing songs for half my life. And if someone's like, hey, can you write a song about a cat that loves cheeseburgers? I'm like, sure. Like, I can <laughs> I can write fucking anything, um, you know. I don't Whether know if I could good. write a you song could. about I probably could. You could do it. I don't it. know if I'd enjoy it, but I Well, that's could. the other side of it, you know. <laughs> but you probably have written so many songs at this point that you're just like, okay, I'll just take this kind of a song structure. Yeah. We'll, put the, we'll put these lyrics in, and it's a song. Yeah. You know? Well, you said something really interesting there, though. You were like... I wrote this song at a time in my life when I needed to get these words out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very, uh, to throw the argument back to you, is that you may not relate to those songs now, but what if there's another 14-year-old kid out there that needs to hear the song that you wrote at that time in your life in order to be able to relate to it, mm-hmm. to get through to mm. their next phase of their life. Yeah. Like, I have a lot of songs that I've been playing for quite some time. And I have some songs that, you know, that I love. And they were great at the time. But when I, as I progressed as a writer, I go back and I listen to them. And they're recorded. And they're on iTunes. And they're out there. Not necessarily my favorite songs. Mm. Not my favorite work. Mm. But I had to write that to write what I'm writing now. And I still have people every now and then email me about a song I wrote 10 years ago, they were like, this song's great. So it's all kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all relative or... Yeah, somebody's going to hear something for the first time at some point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure every single musician feels that way, though. Yeah. Or every single writer probably listens or looks at their entire catalog oh, and and thinks, I just had a, a memory of when I found, uh, sorry, my ADD kicked in. I had a memory of when I found my notebooks from high school. Mm-hmm. Did you find, have you found your I college or your high They're school notebooks? They're all in my room right now. They are god awful. Mm-hmm. Like my lyrics are terrible. It's mm-hmm. like the sun came up and the moon went down. And I'm like, oh, Amy, what were you doing? Like this is so <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible lyrics. Mm-hmm. But you have to start somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? You got to go through it to get to where you're at. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now we can, I, I yeah. guess what 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 kind of set, set off my, my brain there was like, 
you know, that one person who can write one song, you know, sometimes it really is to, to get out there and get out into the world and see mm-hmm. what kind of an impact you can make or yeah. see what kind of a, a, a check you can cash. Yeah. But sometimes you really can't not write a song. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, those songs in particular, they, they inevitably become some of the favorites of my audience and they're the ones that I'm least reluctant to share. Yeah. Like I've written, <laughs> you know, I've written just a bunch of garbage that, yeah. you know, people like just as much uh, half the time as the songs that really, oh, really, like, the mean songs, something to me. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the shows that I play, like... <laughs> hey, have... if you guys, by the way, you guys listening, if you I like know. the music, I love you. Yeah. Thank you. Whether, what, no, it doesn't matter what yeah, I think. Also, any of my fans listening to this, I love you a thousand percent. But, I like, I have a song, okay, I have a song that I wrote about, uh, about drinking whiskey, uh, which is so typical of somebody living in Nashville but I will say I was not living in Nashville at the time Mm. I wrote this song and I'm not a a country artist I don't proclaim to be a country writer I'm Mm -hmm. sure you know if anybody in the country world wants to sing any of my music go for it Um, but I wrote this song and it was on an album I did I wrote it I don't know six years ago it was on an album that came out four years ago and it's a silly stupid little song about drinking whiskey there, there is no emotional depth to these lyrics whatsoever, mm-hmm. but it's one of the, my fan favorites. Mm-hmm. It's something like even now moving into full-on pop music and going like kind of, I'm, I mean, I'm getting a little heavier with some of my lyrical mm-hmm. content in this new project. I still go to shows and people still want to hear the song. And it's, you know, it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like I try not to overthink it. I, mm-hmm. I try not to... You know, well, sometimes you need that when yeah. you're seeing a show or you're listening to oh, music, totally. or you, you have just to have you know, the lighthearted stuff in there. Yeah, you can't you absolutely be listening cannot. to that deep shit all I, the time. I legit would not be able to survive any musician that played sad song after sad song for an hour. Hmm. I couldn't do it, mm-hmm. and that's just me in general. And I love all types of music, mostly. God, the emo era you know? must have been really hard on you. That was so tough. <laughs> it was really a tough era. But I, I think I still was. I think that was still my girl rock phase, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, while while guys were and guys and some people were going, I don't want to say just guys, guys and girls were getting into the emo thing. Like, I, I did listen to Dashboard Confessional quite a bit, though, actually. Mm-hmm. So, was that emo? Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Like, that shows how, how like... bad it was. I was like, I like dipped my toes in the water of emo. I'm like, is that emo? <laughs> it's like, one of the really most sad. emo, the emoist of emos. <laughs> But it was great. I yeah. loved it. I loved Dashboard Confessional. Hmm. Uh, but then at the same time, I would have balanced that out by listening to my chick rock and mm-hmm. things like that, hmm. which even that content would get, you know, pretty heavy. My first album was super bitchy. Hmm. Like the first project I did, people were like, you don't like men at all, do you? And I'm like, oh, I do. I promise. Just, <laughs> just had to get out some anger, you know. And when you're when you're young and you're recording, because you said you were, what, 14 with your first project Something that like you that. did? I was... 19 or 20 but i had written those songs before we recorded mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. so i was i'm gonna say we put it out in 2003 or 2004 uh, anyway uh but i was younger and so everything is so dramatic like when you're younger every single thing that happens in your life is like the end of the world is coming no one's ever gonna love me you know it's terrible mm-hmm. or yeah. good i guess you know you just have all those emotions like yeah what i wouldn't give to <laughs> to just have that depth of emotion again <laughs> i know <laughs> but be able to like turn it on and off yes yeah, yeah. to still have my yeah. off switch i just think I, I i've gotten to a place in life where you know my i think that what channels my emotion now isn't is stuff that's not even really fully related to me mm-hmm. 
like, you know, um, starting to think outside of yourself mm -hmm. content-wise, uh, at least for this new project. And, and a lot of the themes in my music moving forward, I'm realizing are, you know, granted it does come from me, but it's stuff that's related to a lot of people. So then I just channel that energy and the energy of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm able to get super intense. Mm. Whereas like for me, I, I'm, I like being a happy person. Like, I don't like being sad. I don't like watching sad movies. I will, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I I just, like, I don't, I don't like being scared. Like, Halloween's my least favorite mm -hmm. time of year at all. Oh, Halloween's not scary anymore. No, but the horror movies mm -hmm. I don't do. Mm -hmm. I don't all. do them either. Yeah. Yeah. Just why? Mm -hmm. Why do them? But when I do, I like to, I do, like, it's like going to a comedy show and, like, you getting kind of giddy wait. and feeling like ready to laugh like when i see a scary a movie, movie no when i see a scary show? movie it's because i want to be scared no. and i like to like let oh, all no, that no, in no, no, like no. ooh, i, I never get to feel scared be scared at all mm. oh no mm. nope i can't even watch the previews like it's oh, wow. terrible mm. I'm, yeah i'm such a wimp mm -hmm. um what were we talking about i literally <laughs> went down a rabbit hole and i got well, sidetracked what we were getting into is oh, something that i thought was kind of interesting um which would be, you know, it's like we have been writing songs, you and I, since we were yeah. teenagers, which yeah. is a very different time in our life. We've gone through our 20s writing different types mm -hmm. of songs. We hit that magical 25-ish year old milestone where our brains became fully formed adult brains. And then is we that learned when that happens? around then. 25? And then you, you learn yeah. to be able to do what you were just talking about doing, which mm -hmm. is be a little more uh, compassionate and, and empathetic and look outside your own experiences a little more yeah. and be able to step into other people's shoes or be someone else's voice in a, in a, in a way that you just wouldn't have been emotionally or, or intellectually capable of doing before. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing to, to yeah. recognize that that's happening to your writing. Yeah. And I wonder now, like, do you have a harder time writing the kinds of songs that you used to write hmm. when you were younger like if you you know if you had some kind of breakup or crush or some kind of like i don't know running with authorities i don't know i'm projecting a little <laughs> bit with that one but like you know just throw it out like teenage if examples I'm not, if i'm not going to be the girl that's getting smashed on stage i'm probably not going to be the girl that has a running with authorities <laughs> mm. you seem like a criminal to me i'm such a criminal uh yes and no so i don't actually i feel like my my breakup songs and my um my personal songs are so much just easier to write now hmm. uh because um because i just know myself better now than i used to hmm. and the the hard stuff is is the stuff that is the context or the content that relates to more than just me hmm. like i for instance i have a song on this new project called enough and I've been doing some socials on it today and yesterday and or well, I don't know when the hell this is going to air, but I've been posting about it. And this song w was actually a giant pain in the ass to write. Uh, and the main thing is because when we were going into the studio and when I was writing it, uh, we rewrote this song five different times, probably mm. at least mm -hmm. um, my co-writers and I, um, because the content was so serious that there was an enormous amount of pressure to try to get it right, or mm -hmm. at least close to right. You're mm -hmm. never going to get anything perfect. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, one of my producers told me about an interview he was listening to, and the songwriter, uh, I can't remember who it was, but the guy had said, you know, I, 
I I never finish a song. I just stop working on it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's, that's so brilliant. That's paraphrasing one of my favorite quotes. Is it? From is Picasso. It? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't remember who he had said that came from, but I was like, that's totally correct because at one some point or at one point it was like two days before we needed to send this stuff to mastering uh in order to get it finished in order for me to launch a pre-sale in order for me to, to keep on schedule with my business because i had been working on this project most of the year mm -hmm. um and that's mainly my fault because i went into the studio with like three not finished songs um, some people thrive off of that yeah i hated it me too <laughs> Like, just hearing you say that, I'm this like, no. This is the first, the first project I was like, let's just see what happens. I'll go in, I'll have like two mm -hmm. finished songs, and then we'll do the other ones. We'll write them on the spot. And I was like, oh, God, no, this is, that's terrible. I hate it. I mm -hmm. hated the the pressure of it. And uh, mm -hmm. and it was cool because we were all, like, all those songs were all co-written with the producers and I and then one or two other friends, you know, depending on what the song was. Um, but this one was so tough because the content, it, it's a song called Enough, and it's basically um, about the contradictions that women face in society, um, the pressures on women, um, and especially with everything happening now uh, with, you know, obviously the women's movement, um, with the Me Too movement, with, um, in just a generalized sense, um, and not even just a man versus woman thing and that and that's this is kind of the point i want to make with this song is that the hard part about writing is if we were just writing a me too movement song it would have been a, a, not easier to write but we would have had more direction hmm. in terms of the writing process the difference between this song and something like that was that this song was so generalized in the sense of not every woman is exactly the same. Not every woman's gonna have exactly the same experiences. So how do we collectively put all those experiences together into a song? And how do we collectively use the voices of all these other women that have all these different, you know, life um, issues, or, or not issues, but life um, pressures? And how do, we, how do we write a song about that itself? And then on top of that, what's the call to action? Like you write the song, great, but hmm. what's the point of writing the song? Like why are you writing the song? So we, we were back and forth on this song for a good couple of months. Hmm. And those types of songs that, that are to come full circle back, but the songs that are not about you, I think, are the hardest ones because there's almost, like I said, there's a pressure to just make sure you're getting it right and the pressure to make sure that you're you're doing something that hopefully other people will resonate with because you did it the right way. Hmm. I don't know if I just made sense of what I just well, said. Well, but hits their but, ears right, then that means yeah, you did it right to them. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is which is the goal because you know it's 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 when you've got hundreds and thousands of millions of, of women across the world it's like how do you how do you write a song that resonates with every single one of them and maybe you can't but that type of writing hmm. that's that's the type of writing that's challenging and exciting but also terrifying for me hmm. and, you know all mm -hmm. at the same point but for me i mean breakup songs yeah bring it i'll get you a breakup song in an hour that's great <laughs> it's e easy peasy yeah yeah wow hmm yeah, five 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 rewrites is a lot of rewrites, mm -hmm. but I respect that. I respect. Uh, it was a lot of rewriting. Mm -hmm. Well, and also because uh, the song didn't start out being about that. Oh, interesting. Like the song started out originally as um, 
uh, actually it started out to be more personal about like how do you not lose yourself as you grow in an mm. industry that mm -hmm. is based on looks and based on you know uh, what can you sell type of thing mm. and then that kind of opened a conversation about women in general and mm. then that opened another conversation which opened another conversation which mm. which turned out you know uh and just i don't know just uh you go down a rabbit hole sometimes uh and you sometimes you need to learn also not to go down the rabbit hole as far as you go down it but if you get to the bottom and you create something pretty decent then great yeah but yeah. And, you know, I, I saw at least one of these posts that you're talking about. Yeah. That are, that are, uh, to bring attention to this song. Yeah. And it's clear that I am not the target demographic oh, yeah. of this song or yeah. these posts. Yeah. Um, and you know, like as a, as a dude, I'm like a straight white guy in America, you know, I'm, I'm never sure what the best, uh, interaction with that kind of a thing is yeah. um or whether or not i should think say or do anything yeah so here's your here's your chance if you want to <laughs> <laughs> if you have a word of advice or direction sure. for guys like me out there totally you know i don't think women expect men to say or do anything besides just open your mind and try to just be supportive like i i think I have, I, I've got a ton of amazing guy friends that are so pro-women and so pro-equality uh, because the thing is, and I don't speak for every woman, but for me, you know, a lot of it is, is just being seen as an equal. Like just being seen, I, I don't know if anybody, like for instance, if you were out and you got a flat tire, I don't think any man's going to come up to you and say, hey, do you know how to do that? Like, do you, you know what you're doing? Do you need help? Like, but that's like, for me, that was one of the first things I learned how to do. I do need help. Yeah, you do need help. <laughs> but that's just, just to bring awareness to the difference. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, like, sure. I change my own tires. I change my own brakes on the car. Like, I, I, I do some of this stuff. Although, I will say it's a total pain in the ass to mm -hmm. do. So I need to probably, that's one of those things mm -hmm. I need to start outsourcing. Mm -hmm. Well, my mother uh, taught me. Yeah. And, and my parents taught me. To go hire a professional. Me. But that's just a small example. It's kind of the same thing of like... You know, very rarely is a guy going to get judged on the type of clothing he wears to work, mm -hmm. but a woman will. Like, and so a lot of it is not even like that, that we expect, and I, I got to figure out how to say this the right way. I think any woman is going to respect any man that just says, Hey, I heard you. I hear you. That's it. Like, I hear what you're saying. I may not get it, I may not fully understand it, and I'll never fully understand it. Just like you and I are not gonna understand what it's like to live in a third world country. Like, we're mm -hmm. not gonna understand that type of life. We're not gonna understand uh, someone else's experiences because we don't go through their experiences. But just having the empathy, just showing up and saying, that fucking sucks, and I'm so sorry, and you know, and, and maybe that'll make me think twice about making a comment, or maybe that'll make me think twice about, you know, whether I'm going to stand up to my guy friend that says something stupid, you know, like those types of things. Hmm. And I think that's like any type of advice, like you don't have to, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to get it, just empathize with it hmm. and, and support, you know, the women in your life and other women out there that are, that are just wanting to feel like they can just exist the way they want to exist. Mm -hmm. Really. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's easy enough. That's totally you easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I Thanks. may not understand it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, and it's it's so much. Like, and and the other thing too is that I found is I've started. Because the, the internal struggle with this type of topic, and I know we're getting pretty deep on this podcast cool. now, mm-hmm. but the internal thing for me was like, am I strong enough to stand up and say something? Like, am I, mm-hmm. because there's also that like, well, I don't, you know, I, I'm a happy person by nature. I never want to piss anybody off. Mm-hmm. I never, I play these shows. I know we all have different religious beliefs. We all have different political beliefs. I don't ever want to like ruffle anybody's feathers. But then at the same time, there's that other side of me that's like, but if you never ruffle somebody's feathers, nothing ever changes, you know? And uh, and I've had some guy friends of mine, like, that have said some things to me. I've had people, you know, book me for shows and say things that are slightly inappropriate. Hmm. And I've had other friends of mine uh, say things that I've had to literally kind of stop them and be like, look. And, and I, my initial response is I want to get pissed off until you go fuck yourself. You know, excuse mm-hmm. my language. If my mom's listening or anybody else with sensitive ears, I apologize. But the initial reaction to anybody that offends you is I want to get mad and I want to get angry. Mm-hmm. But getting mad and angry doesn't always solve the problem or help the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you are just going to need to get mad and angry. Mm-hmm. But I have to sit back and be like, okay, I've known some of these guys for a very long time. I've known that maybe maybe nobody's ever said anything to them before. So you kind of just sit back and be like, okay, is this person coming from a really ill-intentioned place? Mm. Or are they just uninformed? Mm-hmm. You know, Are they just kind of like, oh, crap, I didn't realize that when I made a comment about that girl's boobs that it was offensive, Like, which kind of should be a no-brainer. <laughs> like, Let's be honest. Depending on the context of the situation. Well, it's uh, one of those things like dudes... Um, w- many a dude, if it's just a comment, if yeah. it's not being cornered, if it's yeah. not being touched necessarily or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's, you know, I, I mean, most of my fan base is female and yeah. it's like, I don't deal with it on the business end like you do. Like I've yeah. never had like a, you know, a photographer, booker, label person or potential person I'm meeting for coffee just to talk shop, right? Like, yeah, yeah all right, sugar butt, can't wait yeah. to get the job done or anything like that. You know, that You're never- You're so hot, I can't wait to get here. Yeah, like, totally. That never, that never happens to you've me. You've never had like, anybody do that? Not on the business side, yeah. I'm saying, but yeah. like, you know, person to person, like, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, like- I don't want to be like, you know, (laughs) an apologist or anything like that, but it's like, or diminish anyone's experiences. Um, Some people just don't understand. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, I like, I I guess I don't know how to say it. I think you just have to judge your Mm -hmm. environment and you have to judge what's appropriate and what's not in a business setting. I will say this, it is never, ever, ever, ever appropriate to talk to a woman and use words like sexy or hot or, um, oh God, I don't know whether I'm trying to think of other ones I've had. Anytime you're in a business setting, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like Mm -hmm. you would think it's common sense. Mm -hmm. It's also never okay to joke around about certain things that are really not, I don't know, just not appropriate Mm. for business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's interesting, like... 
now I feel like we're going to get into another freaking rabbit hole. I mean, going this down. is just this. This is what happens. You never yeah. know. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, on I, the I would just say I would just say this. Like, just <laughs> just judge, just judge your environment and and judge mm-hmm. what you're around. Like, I would, I have lots of guy friends that I've joked around and we've talked about. Uh, you know, differences between men and women, or we've talked about sex, or we've talked about, you know, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's when you're amongst your friends, but there's a difference between, and like even girlfriends. I've been out with girlfriends and be like, oh my God, that guy's so hot. You know, like things like that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but you wouldn't be like, hey, dude, I like the I'm way like, your dick what's is. what's up? I know. I would, exactly. It's like you would, I would never cat call the guy. I would mm-hmm. never go grab his ass. Like, Man, you should try it. Live, live on the. <laughs> That's See not going to fix the problems. Lives. No, yeah. But that's those are just, I don't know. I know mm-hmm. we, we went uh, further away from all of this. But a lot of it is just the line of, of being appropriate mm-hmm. versus not. I mm-hmm. don't know, and I, I can't speak for every woman, but if a man came up to me at a show and was like, I want you to know I, I, I love what you're doing and I think you're beautiful, I'm not going to find offense to that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But if a guy is clearly objectifying a woman or, or speaking down to her, and I think you just know, like you just know in those environments. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I, I wish I had a good example of a woman maybe doing that to a man, but I, I don't really have many. And maybe because it just doesn't happen as much. I don't know. But that's also another issue, an entirely other issue that like, you know, just as much as women, we want to be seen as equals to men. We have to also remember that like we can't do the same thing on our end. That went all the way around. <laughs> There's so much that we talked about. Yeah. Now. And I want to brain spinning you... around. I'm like, we could yeah. literally go on and then on oh, and on yeah. about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and normally it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it it always goes somewhere different on the show, which has been kind of nice. Yeah. You know. Let's just cut it off after the part where you're like, I hear you. Oh, no, (laughs) no, sorry. It was great. I was like, I feel like I did a really good job. Because I don't, because I don't have anybody to edit for me. Do you? Which means I would have. (laughs) Who do you outsource? (laughs) Nobody. It'll be me putting this shit on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I can't afford me as an editor. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't afford me for most. Things. My time's too valuable for this project. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But I I can't imagine that it would have been um, a really fun and uh, uh, em- emotionally explorative experience to write this song five times. The song that started this whole conversation. Yeah. You know, yeah, which is something that you don't often get the chance to do with co-writers. True. Uh, and the hardest part about this is that two of the co-writers, the producers, were in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And my other friend, Sarah, who co-wrote this song as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, was Yeah, but those here. Virginians, they were men. Uh, they were men. But I will say that, yes. that they were very, they're men, they were very pro-women. So they had some amazing, you know, it's, in, it, it's I had a friend of mine ask me, she's like, are you sure you want to write this song with another girl and two guys. And I was like, look, we can't automatically assume that just because someone's a man that they don't understand the issues that you're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not experience them personally, but like I said, it goes back to the empathy. Mm-hmm. It goes back to learning and educating mm-hmm. yourself. And both of these men have women uh, partners that are incredibly um, uh, strong-willed and, and powerful and wonderful women. So they, they're... they're uh, and one of them is is a woman's studies major. Like hmm. so, there's there they had so much amazing insight and input, and um, and also too, um, 
the song isn't just about the lyrics. Like the song is about, you know, what type of production do we do? Like how do how do we how how do we mm. structure this? Mm-hmm. How long are we going to make our verses? How long is the chorus going to be to be impactful? Like those are other parts of songwriting. It's not just lyric based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the overall song in general. So, yeah. So it was a little harder with that, and it's interesting because when we got into like the third write of the song, the way I had pictured it, because. I mean, I hate to say it, it's my album, so I kind of had final control of the way I, everything was going to sound. Sure. Um, but when we got into this, like, okay, we're going to write about um, about this this idea of all these contradictions. And a lot of it just stemmed around, like, be pretty but not too pretty. Or, like, be a boss at work but don't be a bitch because then people won't listen to you. You know, those types of things that just kind of bullshit really mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i had started writing this very kind of tongue-in-cheek like lily allen type mm-hmm. thing of like fuck you da, da, da. but without obviously <laughs> saying that that's just I'm just trying to sing her song uh and so it was really kind of up tempo and upbeat and mm-hmm. then uh, one of the producers had this brilliant idea um kit had this brilliant idea he's like why don't we why don't we get some voice memos from your fans and like get people actually talking into mm. their phones and getting these voice memos from mm-hmm. women saying what 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 bothers them and we'll intro the song with mm. all these voice mm-hmm. memos that kind of layer up and i wish i could claim that as my idea it really wasn't it was a brilliant idea mm-hmm. that came from my producer you you allowed someone else's idea to be on your record oh, and that's totally. very generous of you totally as as the head honcho well and the other thing too is just cuz you're the head honcho like we, we all want the same thing mm-hmm. we all want to put together the best project and the best song we can sure. put together uh my ego goes out the door most of the time when it comes to a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff uh because i just want to put out the best product i can do um so but he had this idea and so we started getting all these voice memos in from women and all of a sudden we were like oh shit like these like my co-writer sarah and i we, we were the first ones to get them and we started listening to them before we sent them off to the producers and we almost started crying, hmm. just listening to these women and their voices. And then we were like, well, shit, now we can't write. We can't layer this on top of a, a tongue-in-cheek happy song. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. So then we had to go into mm-hmm. the fourth rewrite. Mm-hmm. And we had to go in the fifth rewrite. Like, it was just, it was a very long process. Um, but it was worth it, yeah. I think, for sure, in the yeah, end. And that's a super cool thing to do, to give people the opportunity to be a part of your music in a way yeah, aside from thanks. catching a show thank you um because right you do you run you don't run any sort of like patreon or fan club or anything like not. that do you yeah no, yeah yeah no. you know so i mean i did a, i did an indiegogo for mm-hmm. my last album uh fire but i haven't no mm-hmm. i haven't done patreon or anything like mm-hmm. that well uh, oh. you know the 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 point i was making with that is not so much like do you have experience with crowdfunding but you know, I know that as someone who uh, has has had Patreon be a part of my life mm-hmm. for a long time, like my fans and my community um, are a big, big part of what I'm doing. Yeah. Like every single day. Oh yeah. Um, and and so I was wondering, like, you know, how how do you bring your fans into your life? And this is an incredible story you know, of doing it. That actually, it's interesting you say that because I feel kind of the same way mm-hmm. without actually mm-hmm. doing a Patreon type of mm-hmm. thing. But my fans, I mean, I wouldn't be touring independently, uh, you know, and 
and when I say touring, it's interesting. That's another thing that I've heard people are like, oh, don't say touring if you only do like three shows and then come home and then go out and do another three shows and come home. I'm like, it's still touring. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. still on the road. You're mm-hmm. still moving around and traveling and playing shows. Uh, and, you know, when you do 40 to 70 shows uh, across the country, I would say that's mm-hmm. touring. Okay. It's, yeah. Me personally, uh, <laughs> I would say that's a big amount of what I do. But I I got into all of this because of my fans. You know, I um, I do predominantly, I do festivals and I do some venues, but predominantly the majority of my shows are house concerts. So I'll go into someone's home and it's a, a seated ticketed event. You know, instead of playing like a bar in Kansas, I'm playing someone's home and, you know, 30 to 50 people come out and they're all you know, they're listening and, and buying CDs and buying t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So I feel very connected to my fans on that level mm-hmm. because they have given me the base to keep, you know, to keep going with music. Um, they're the ones that are paying my bills and helping me, you know, survive by buying the music and coming to the shows mm-hmm. and supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, the conversation that you and I are having are the same conversations that I have with them on the microphone, you know, mm. playing the shows. So there, and, and maybe that's another thing I haven't really thought of is that a lot of these ideas and stuff are things that have probably been developing longer than just mm. when the song mm-hmm. was written. Sure. It's stuff that you talk about with somebody over a drink after a show. It's stuff mm-hmm. that builds up. And so, um, so yeah, I, I do think it's really cool. This is the first time I've ever asked for recordings and have their voices on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very glad I did. And I think it was almost necessary to do considering the song was about more than just me. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And that's, man, like, I want to hear, I want to hear the songs and the recordings. Yeah. I can't wait. wait. Um, now is the rest of, is the rest of the record as deep and, uh, yes and no. Um, there, it starts off lighthearted. So we realized mm-hmm. once we had this song and it mm-hmm. was going to be on the EP and with five songs, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, how do we place these all together? So my whole thing as an artist over the last couple of years has been just, uh, I'm finding um, a lot of consistent themes with self-love, which goes into this that song we were just talking about, uh, with um, empowerment, um, with, um I don't know, just just really being true to yourself and, and positivity-type-based things. Um, so the first song on the album is actually a song called Hold On, which actually the single came out last September, or this this September, mm-hmm. and, um, and has been on iTunes. And so that's very upbeat and happy. And then very positivity, like don't give up, don't give up type mm-hmm. of thing. The next song is a love song. Uh, that I wrote one day a year or two ago when I was super happy. And uh, then the song after that is a very much empowering type of uh, you're dragging your feet, I'm out the door, kind of not initially a breakup song, but Mm -hmm. like a, yeah, like Mm -hmm. you don't, kind of don't underestimate me type of song, Mm -hmm. which is actually one of the lyrics in the song, which is fun. And then we move into this very serious song. And then we finish up the, the project with a song I actually wrote for my mom which is kind of serious, but, uh, but not, uh, not sad, I should Mm -hmm. say, or not angry, serious, like very Mm -hmm. just heartwarming, Mm -hmm. um, serious content. Hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. That was great. Okay. Nailed it. Went down the the rundown song by song. Song by song. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of this project. I'm, I'm glad it's done. <laughs> I can mm. just say that. Mm-hmm. I think emotionally, uh, like we talked about, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, because I would just ramble on. But the, uh, the, the part of going into the studio, not having everything finished, like that's tough. Mm-hmm. That's really hard because you're constantly doubting yourself in the process, I think. Hmm. Or at least I was, mm-hmm. you know, and doubting doubting whether or not the songs were being written the way they should have been written. Mm-hmm. Because usually every time I've gone into the studio, I've had the songs written and I've been playing them for a year, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a Man. lot. Yeah. That is, yeah. yeah, you know. Okay. Okay. And if you made it to this part of the podcast, congratulations. Yeah, because this is the part of the podcast where you tell people where to find you Mm. and you you give us a final final thought to ponder. You know, um, ooh, I feel like Oprah right now. Mm -hmm. But not Oprah because she's amazing and I'm obviously... You do remind me a lot of Oprah, don't you? Stop it. Mm -hmm. You just made my night. Um, where can you find me? So first of all, Amy Gerhart's the name. Uh, website, amygerhartz.com. That's G-E-R-H-A-R-T-Z. But I'm sure that will hopefully be printed somewhere on the podcast page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you guys got to check it out. She made it herself. Yeah, I did make the website myself, along with the Squarespace uh, <laughs> template. <laughs> You know, I've me. given you two opportunities tonight to take full credit. I have full credit. Well, I will take full credit. I still had to edit the crap out of that template. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I still had to learn how to to make sure everything actually looked good, which is so frustrating when mm-hmm. my brain is not uh, technologically savvy. I'm getting there mm-hmm. slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on. Uh, let's see, Facebook under Amy Gerhardt's music. Instagram, I love me some Instagram. Instagram is like the one thing that I'm on every day. Mm. I love Instagram. Your face just lit up. Oh, I love it. I love the stories. They make me so happy. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I'm on Twitter, but Twitter's really, I got to figure out how to use Twitter the right way. Do you? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand Twitter. Then don't. I don't understand it. But with the with the with the know. emotional attachment you have to Instagram, to Instagram, I think you guys should just run away. I together. just love pictures. Yeah. Like how oh, I could look I could look at people's mm-hmm. pictures for days. Um, and uh, I'm on YouTube as well. Although I will be saying that uh, YouTube is going to be getting revamped soon, which is great because mm. I've been ignoring YouTube over the last I don't know five years, mm. and uh, I'm going to start putting up more video content. Obviously, because that's what YouTube is, and um, hopefully have some really cool things coming as well. So that will be a channel you can, you know, see me performing on. And other than that, yeah. Uh, as a final note, just you know, be kind to one another. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Amy Gerhardt, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thanks again for listening to The Slow Drag Has a Podcast, too. If you enjoyed it, you can head on over to theslowdrag.com, where you can become a patron of this podcast, the music, all the art that The Slow Drag puts out into the world. It's a really great thing, and I think you should check it out. If you're not ready to make the Patreon commitment, that's okay. You can leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, and make sure to subscribe over there, too. Follow the podcast on Spotify or SoundCloud or from wherever you're listening. A little bit goes a long way, guys. Thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you all next time.